Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Hey, welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. It is Wednesday, March 20th. Who's feeling the madness? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. In fact, the Ion College Basketball Podcast is opening with that music now, and it's just, it's a thing of beauty. When do the Gators play? Uh, either tomorrow or Friday. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> that is terrible. I believe I don't know they play on Thursday. You think I look at the schedule? I, I would look at the schedule if I were you. So... Listen, uh, when you're in the tournament, you don't have to look at the schedule. Oh. When you're out of the tournament, you have to worry about teams in the tournament. Okay, great. That makes no, a lot of sense. Isn't it the other way around? If you're not in the tournament, no, you no, don't no. We, do, we just we, we we show up and play. Okay, today on fantasy football today, you have you have a women's team that's doing very well. We do. We Girl, do. They're, they're the be proud. number four seed. I am very proud of them. So uh, back to the show. Uh, we have Ryan Wilson coming on, NFL draft guy. He's going to talk. Uh, we're going to profile a player, get to know a draft prospect. Juwan Taylor. Josh Jacobs, Alabama Not running Taylor. back. No. Uh, Alabama running back, Josh Jacobs. And we're going to talk about bounce back candidates. In fact, let's start the show. You each gave me three. Pick one. Who's your favorite? J- uh, Dave, why don't you go first? Who's your favorite bounce back candidate for 2019? I'm going to go with Carson Wentz because I think you're going to get him at a value pick on draft day. People are going to either reach for one of the big quarterbacks early on, which isn't necessarily a bad move, but... I love the idea of waiting and stealing your quarterback, and I think we're going to steal Carson Wentz this year. He's going to come back healthy. He's got Deshaun Jackson to catch those deep balls. He's got a lot of other targets on top of that. You know about Zach Ertz. You know about Nelson Aguilar. We'll see what the running game delivers as far as uh, guys that can catch passes out of the backfield. I think Carson Wentz is going to finish as a top-12 quarterback. I'm confused about Carson Wentz. I don't really understand what happened with them. Uh, I looked up. You know, they they went from the third best offense in football to the 18th best offense in football. They lost uh, 5.7 points per game from 2017 to 2018, and I don't know. I, I don't know what the explanation is exactly. What do you guys? Injuries, think? injuries. Well, they didn't have once for five games. It, it's not just but, that though, because they did similar things with Foles for the end of the season right. the year before. I think it's the first off the backfield was just decimated. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was a big part of it. They also didn't have a field stretcher. Dave's point about Deshaun Jackson is 100% accurate that you know getting uh, a, another weapon on the field but mostly somebody that can get downfield. Look, they they also didn't have Alshon Jeffrey to start the season. He had the shoulder problem, so working him back in, losing Mike Wallace I think was big not having a guy like they did with Torrey Smith the year before just to open things up a little bit. But I think you look at what they have coming back, healthy Jeffrey, it sounds like they're going to keep Aguilar the addition of Jackson, more work for uh, Dallas Goddard, which I think will help. And then you uh, then you factor in, you know, what Zach Ertz clearly does and benefits with with Wentz on the field. So there's a lot to like about Carson Wentz if he can stay healthy. That's just the biggest thing after two straight years of of missing time. Patrick Mahomes was the number one most consistent fantasy quarterback last year. Andrew Luck was number two. Carson Wentz was number three. More yeah, but the thing with point, the highest percentage. The, uh, the, over games the thing with Wentz, though, is uh, he's got to have the ability to be available. Well, it's not just that. He was consistent, but he was consistently like 23-ish points in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. He had, I think, one game all year with more than 25 fantasy points, maybe two. 
Two. So uh, that's. But I think you just got three with twenty five plus. You got to know what you're getting. You're getting a low end starter. You're not getting a, a a guy that's top five guy. Now he has the potential to be there, but when you're drafting him, you're not drafting him to be one of those guys. You're drafting him to be a guy that you can plug in every week and not have to worry about it when he's out there. That's just the thing is, will he stay out there? There's a reason why I'm not going to take him in round six or round sure. seven. We're we're waiting a while to get Carson Wentz, but I think the upside is there, and I think the value will absolutely be there. Jamie, who's your favorite bounce back in 2019? Uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, I, I think the more you, you see about what the Jaguars are doing, have done, what he's doing, and hopefully will continue to do, um, there, there's a lot to like about what his potential could be. Now, um, I think they're, they're not done in two areas. One, their offensive line. Two, their backups behind him because right now it's a guy that they picked up off Denver's practice squad from a year ago, and David Williams and then Thomas Rawls, who we know hasn't been the same since those ankle problems. But, uh, you know, Fournette is spending time in Wyoming training. You know, you're hearing all the things from what happened at the end of last season to what the coaching staff and front office are saying now um, about where they are with him, that they're, you know, encouraged by what he's uh, said and done. Uh, I think, you know, clearing out some of the, uh, the, the bad influences in the locker room. Um, Carlos Hyde was apparently not a good influence. Uh, TJ Yeldon apparently not a good influence. So I think Fournette's going to get a fresh start. <laughs> was, and, was Leonard Fournette a good influence? Well, I think you know young players. You know Doug Marone talked about this that you know young players typically get frustrated by injuries, which makes sense. And you know then he started to sort of feed into the negativity that was surrounding that team. Um, right. But I think also the biggest thing for me is the offensive line getting healthy. You know you lose center, left guard, and left tackle. And Brandon Linder, Cam Robinson, and Andrew Norwell, I guess Norwell, then Robinson, going center to guard, center tackle, excuse me. Um, those were three key parts for what they hoped their run game would be, plus the addition of Nick Foles. So I think Fournette is going to uh, probably fall, his ADP is going to fall, probably end of round two, beginning of round three. And I think he has a chance to be a, a top eight, maybe even top five type running back. Wow. I, You know, I, I think what concerns me is just that I just don't really have faith in Jacksonville anymore. I, I mean... I don't think Tom Coughlin is anything special building teams. I don't really get the appeal. They had one great year. I think they stink, and I don't... When when most of the great running backs are going to be on great teams, great offenses, or at least very good offenses, this is why I didn't want to draft um, David Johnson last year. Like I'm just kind of worried about Leonard Fournette being on a bad team. But hasn't the offense changed already in Jacksonville? It's, is it going to be better? moving in the right direction Are in that they? regard? I mean, they couldn't get well, much sure, worse. Because they had the second worst offense in football this past year, so I don't think they could get right. much worse. So what but. did they do? They changed offensive coordinators, and they changed quarterbacks. Now They'll that, be better, yes, but, they, but need, that, they, have, that, they need a lot of help. That's a double-edged sword, too, because now the Jaguars can say, okay, well, when we're not getting it done with the run— whether it's in one game or over a series of games, we've got a quarterback now that we can feel better about putting the ball in his hands and letting him do his thing. They might not be quite as run-heavy or run-reliant might be the better term than they were in the past. That's one, yeah, I don't, that, I don't, that's I don't one nitpick that's I have with Fournette. The other, the other nitpick is the same one that Jamie had with Carson Wentz, which is availability. He played in eight games last year, was suspended and got hurt at times in his rookie season. I'd love to have him play 16 games. The numbers are going to be huge. I'm not sure that he will. Yeah, I, I think the one thing, though, about uh, having them throw more, I don't think that'll necessarily be the case. I, I think, you know, Tom Coughlin said at the press conference with Nick Foles, uh, when asked about having a quarterback that may be allowed to open things up a little more, he said, uh, Nick knows how to hand off. You know, so <laughs> I, I think I think they're going to be somewhat similar. But their their formula for success is in place 
for how they want to operate. They want to be in low-scoring games where their defense has a chance to you know, keep them uh, afloat and, and certainly successful and then let their run game kind of dominate things. And so I, I think if you get those guys getting healthy plus what they'll add, I hope, I hope they take Juwan Taylor uh, with their pick in the first round. They you paid Nick Foles $20 million to hand off. Is that right, Tom Coughlin? That would be something. Well, they drafted the third overall pick. They played Bortles to hand off, too. I mean, that's what's the offense. That that's what it ended up being. Yeah, they, Look, I, they I, I, I'm a fan of Fournette. I love his running style. I, I hope James right. I hope he breaks out. Mark Ingram or Leonard Fournette? Fournette. Yeah, it's not close for me. It's Fournette. Really? Okay. Yeah, we haven't gotten Jamie's thoughts on free agency. All right, fine. I'll, uh, I'll battle with you on that one just for fun. I take Fournette too, but we'll we'll duke it out for fun. But uh, we have to get Ryan Wilson on now. He's got some CBS Sports HQ responsibilities in about a half hour, so I told him I'd get him uh, on the show and out pretty quickly. So let's talk about the NFL draft, and let's talk about a running back that might enter this discussion with Leonard Fournette, with Mark Ingram, maybe a little bit higher, Josh Jacobs of Alabama. Let's get Ryan Wilson on right now. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, it's our pleasure. You are our NFL draft analyst, and we have to talk about the NFL draft. So let's talk about Josh Jacobs. Is he the obvious clear-cut, head and shoulders above the rest, number one running back in this class? Yeah, it's it's not super obvious. He he. Let's see, he had his pro day on uh, Wednesday. On Tuesday, he had it with the rest of the Alabama guys. Ran in the four sixes. Um, if anyone else had run four six, I feel like there would have been some blowback. But people are really all all in on Josh Jacobs, and that seemed to be not an issue. Not an issue for mock draft Twitter, not an issue for scouts, not an issue for um, senior bowl executives. Everyone seemed to be okay with it. But when you watch him run, I mean, he doesn't look like a four six guy. He runs extremely angry. He's got an incredible sort of jump cut in the hole. He's very patient, sets up his blocks. He's fast enough to get around the corner. You see him regularly beating guys around the edge. And this is uh, an added benefit for for people who are concerned about historically how run down Alabama, Alabama running backs are in the NFL. He shared carries last year, and um, he shared them. I think he had the – it was him, Najee Harris, and Damian Harris. They all shared carries about the same amount. He may have been a little lower than the other two. But he has very low mileage and very high upside. I don't know if he's going to be a first-round pick, but he, if one running back does go in round one, it will definitely be Josh Jacobs. 86 carries, 46 carries, 120 carries in three seasons. I understand, Ryan, the argument that it's good that he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear, but it's also not necessarily telling me that he can handle a full workload. Are there any concerns about that? I don't think so. I think the bigger concerns, in two words, would be Trent Richardson. And mm-hmm. we know how he came in with such fanfare. It was a top-five pick and washed out in Cleveland and later in Indianapolis and everywhere else until he landed to the AAF. But I think Josh Jacobs, when you watch him play, and the argument also with Najee and Damian Harris they were two of the best running backs in the country coming into Alabama. Um, Jacobs is from Oklahoma. He wasn't – I don't think he was a five-star recruit. I'm not a high school oh. guy. Um, so he came in, had to earn his keep and all the other sort of cliches we use. And by the end of the season, he was a go-to guy because we went into last season talking about Damian Harris as a first-round pick. And by November, and then certainly by the time Alabama went on the run towards the end there until they ran into Clemson, it was all about Josh Jacobs. And the other thing that he does that the other two guys don't do quite as well is he catches balls coming out of the backfield, and that's clearly a big part 
of what you guys are interested in as fantasy guys and clearly what NFL teams want to see running backs be able to do because you can find any running back that can run straight to the line of scrimmage. But can you catch passes consistently? And there, A lot of offenses in college don't require their running backs to do that. He's also a really good blocker, which is also something that keeps you on the field for three downs. So I think those things, in addition to the very low mileage, are attractive to NFL teams. Yeah, I was just going to say 251 career carries at Alabama, 48 career receptions. Uh, I don't know if there has ever been a running back prospect with a top 50 pick pedigree with 300 touches who everybody kind of agrees on is a slam dunk talent at the running back position. And it's probably the only position where a player can get away with this little experience in college. I don't know if I'd feel pretty good about a quarterback only had you know, 300 dropbacks over his collegiate career but a running back a guy who's been doing it his whole life which Jacobs has I, I think he's ready to go and I agree with Ryan he, he is NFL ready he is three down ready uh, I, 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 I gush over him I think he's great Ryan is there a team that you look at and say there's a there's an easy fit for Jacobs yeah a couple teams the Eagles and you guys know this they don't have any running backs really to speak of Corey Clement and um, they have the other small, smallest running back. I can't whose name escapes you right now. Wendell Smallwood. Wendell Smallwood. I should have known that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think he makes some sense there. I don't know if they would draft a running back at number twenty-five, just because that seems kind of early. And then of course the Raiders, because the Raiders have Antonio Brown, they have Terrell Williams. They need a tight end. They could get one of those tight ends with with the first round pick. They have the thirty-fifth pick as well. So even if they go defense and, and say tight end with those first three first rounders, they could come back at thirty-five if Jacobs is still there and take him. And I think that would be a huge asset to, to Derek Carr and the rest of that offense. So those two, two teams stick out. The Chiefs also. Uh, how much can Damian Williams do? They obviously want to replace probably Kareem Hunt. And if you want a versatile back that can sort of help in the passing game and maybe offset whatever happens with Tariq Hill, should he end up missing time? I don't know. But those three teams make some sense. And Dave, to follow up quickly on what you're talking about, another guy that I love a lot and that isn't getting nearly as much pub as as Josh Jacobs is David Montgomery out of Iowa State. Similar build, ran a four six three forty, much more experience. He's has uh, over six hundred career carries. He's another guy who runs extremely angry. Doesn't have the experience in the passing game, but he's shown the ability to do that. But he's a guy that feels like to me like a second round pick and a guy that reminds me a lot of of Doug Martin when he came out. I think Doug Martin had over 1,400 yards or something crazy his rookie season in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a great first year with uh, with the Bucks, and that might be somebody who kind of fits into what Bruce Arians looks for from a running back. He likes those bigger guys that are versatile. Uh, I've, I've, I've looked at Montgomery. I'm not sure if he's got the same type of speed as Jacobs has. The only other running back in this class that I think could contend for the top spot is Jacobs' teammate at Alabama, and that's Damian Harris. I really liked him a lot, too. What What's your take on on Damian Harris? Another guy, he's, they're similar builds. I think Damian ran a little faster, the combine, four, five, seven, I think. And, um, you know, that does that matter, that 0.5 seconds? Uh, probably not. Another guy who's extremely strong, extremely good at what he does, another angry runner, I keep using that term, but those two yeah. guys remind me uh, of guys where they're running four eights or four twos. You don't want to tackle them. Um, not as accomplished in the, in the um, pass game. But he's a great blocker. So, uh, again, uh, probably a day-two pick, a guy that was uh, first round in the first-round conversation in September and October and, and then sort of got overtaken by Josh Jacobs. But you know the pedigree. You know where he's coming from. And, you know, I've talked to scouts that say this whole Alabama running back thing is overblown. There was a time we were talking about USC quarterbacks being terrible, and then 
did Sam Darnold break that curse? I mean, we'll find out. He's certainly better than than the previous USC iterations in, in recent years. But um, I don't think teams are afraid or scared off by the fact that a running back went to Alabama. And again, he's sharing carries too, so he didn't have nearly the workload that he could have had had it just been him as the as the main focus in 2018. I, I think the the big thing though is it depends on are you leaving Alabama because you had some guys that were at Alabama that didn't finish at Alabama like Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a great point. Yeah, well, who actually has drawn comparisons to to Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs is clearly bigger running back, but in terms of the style and sort of the versatility they bring. Yeah, and Mark Ingram's had a nice career, and uh, you know USC USC wide receivers were huge busts year after year, basically. Juju Smith-Schuster's put a stop to that. Even Nelson Aguilar, not so bad. Um, all right, let me, let me read you a question that we Robert got. Robert Woods, too, on this Thank uh, you. Team. There you go. Uh, so let me read you a question that, that we got from a, from a listener named Shane, and then we'll let you go. It's about wide receivers. It's an interesting one. If you could have any NFL team's top two wide receivers, so just think of a team with your two favorite receivers, uh, how many teams would you take above... The two Ole Miss rookies, uh, that would be uh, Metcalf and AJ Brown. So, how many, uh, like, how many teams would you take above the top two Ole Miss rookies, like Julio Jones and uh, Calvin. and Calvin Ridley for sure? You know, Beckham and Landry. I take the Browns now. Yeah. So, for sure. Why don't you give us a little context and like where you think Metcalf and and Brown are? Uh, so know, here's right the now. deal. DK Metcalf is six three and I think two thirty. He ran a four three three at the combine. When he takes his shirt off, he looks like Jamie. So <laughs> true. Yeah, Jamie Schwarzenegger. He, he looks like Jadavian Clowney with his shirt off. It's insane. And I wonder if he just left his shirt on, we would spend less time focused on that than the the actual on field stuff. The big issue is he can't stay healthy. He played two games as a as a freshman. Last season as a junior, he played in seven games, had a neck injury. Apparently, that's all clear. There were no medical concerns with that. But, I mean, he has been injured, doesn't stay on the field. And he's raw. At Ole Miss, they don't run the full route tree. They ask him basically just to run go routes all day. And while he ran a 4-3-3, his uh, short shuttle and three-cone drill were not very good. I think his three-cone drill was actually slower than Tom Brady's, and that's not even an exaggeration. But you watch him play, you don't. that doesn't show up. You're not asking him to run crossing routes all day. He runs go routes, and he wins consistently deep. A.J. Brown plays in the slot. He reminds me a little bit of Juju Smith-Schuster, a big slot receiver, great after the catch, sometimes doesn't focus and, and drops the ball, but that, that's something I feel like you can, you can fix. So that's the background of those two guys. Um, Metcalf, they're probably both first-round picks. A.J. Brown might slip into the second round, but he's still a very good player. But the question is, coming out of that offense, how quickly can they adapt to playing in the NFL? And, and I feel like uh, you mentioned Atlanta. I would take uh, the Browns. I would take the Raiders right now over them with Antonio Brown and Terrell Williams. Uh, I take I take the Bengals, the Texans. Uh, yeah. It might just be easier to list the teams that you wouldn't take. No, I mean there are a lot of teams that do not have two good wide receivers. Right, I take the Redskins guys. definitely need some help. How about right. the How about the Broncos? I mean, they have three young receivers. Let's Let's yeah, take but Emmanuel you don't know Sanders. What, what the shape of Emmanuel Sanders is. Right, let's take him out of the equation. Do the young receivers of the Broncos look better than the two Ole Miss guys? Uh, I, no, I I think I would lean towards. I, I'm just so I'm hesitating because I don't even know what John Elway's doing out there. But I, <laughs> uh, I think I would go Ole Miss guys with the with the, with the Broncos. Okay, okay. Uh, Randall Cobb and Amari Cooper. No, I, I don't trust Randall Cobb. <laughs> I trust Amari Cooper. What about Michael Cobb? Gallup. Yeah. Sure. Man. Okay. Okay, the Lions been, I love Randall Cobb. He's been hurt. 
You get a healthy Marvin Jones with Kenny Galladay. Yeah, you'll yeah, take, take them ahead of the old That I like. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, like the, I like the Lions. It's a How fun about game. the Dolphins? <laughs> no. You'll take the Ole Miss guys out of the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, of course Rams are better. And, and Buffalo? Uh, yeah. Ole Miss. They have, the see, they have John Brown now and Cole Beasley. Yeah, I, I'll take the Bills, guys. How, how about the Vikings? How about the Vikings, guys? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to go Vikes there. I was actually yeah. stumped for you a know, second. It, 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 it's funny, as we're going through this, DK Metcalf has a very Devontae Parker feel to me. You may not be. You may be right, Jamie. That's right. Foot injury so at Louisville. Curious. Couldn't stay healthy there. Hard time in the NFL. But when he plays, he plays well. Yep, that's right. And, and I feel like there are other wide receivers who were had better college careers, had more reps in college, that will be better pros, but you know don't look like Jadavian Clown with their shirt off and didn't run four three threes. Right. Like, don't you have Brown ahead of Metcalf? Marquise Brown, I love, but he had a list. Frank no, 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 no. AJ Brown, AJ Brown, AJ Brown. No, I don't. Oh, I, okay. You know what's funny, uh, Dave? It's funny you say that because I don't love A.J. Brown. I like him. And I was talking to this guy the other day who loves him, and I just didn't see it. So, you know, what do I know? So may- maybe A.J. Brown is more consistent. But Marquise Brown, the Oklahoma wide receiver who's – I like him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the only issue is he had a list frank surgery in February. So there's some concern that he may not be ready till late uh, late summer. But he's like Tariq Hill, like Manny Sanders type good. And um, I was talking to another scout who said he's the fastest guy he saw on tape all year. And he's explosive. So that's a guy who's healthy that I that I like I like more than DK. It's hard to argue with somebody who's catching passes from Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and, and the yeah. success that those two guys have. I like Paris Campbell too. Pete's convinced yes. me on, on that one. Drink, by the way. Um Drink. Uh, <laughs> what Paris Campbell has uh has done. And we were talking at the combine, you know, like uh, Percy Harvin. Yeah, that was your that was your comp. That's a great comp. He's not a guy that he runs four three oh or one or whatever he ran in the combine, but he's not a guy that just runs go routes. He runs underneath routes and then does all the heavy work for the quarterback. Again, a guy who looks like he would fit in well with Derek Carr, who could just dump the ball off and step back and let Paris Hilton do the heavy lifting. All right, Ryan. I got to, because Adam's going to uh, fail to mention this, and Ryan loves it when you follow him on Twitter. So everybody I was needs about to. Follow to. Ryan. I was no, no, you're, ter- you're terrible at this. I have so, it pulled up so right now. Ryan, Ryan loves when I retweet his stuff um, because then he uh, is accountable for all the wonderful things that he says. Um, but you should follow Ryan at Ryan Wilson CBS. Yeah, that is a really nice, like, but background photo that you have. That is professional oh, yeah. photography. I took that, Adam. You uh, took that. Yeah, I took the picture of uh, my avatar of my son. <laughs> That's not me. With the hairdo. <laughs> yeah. and you, when your kids are walking away from you, I found out they seem like they're much nicer and quieter. So yeah, they, yeah. that's why I did that. <laughs> I got to tell you, I spent, I spent a week with Ryan at the Super Bowl and a week with Ryan at the Combine. And, one, you know, uh, I forget what was it, Chris, that said I was one of the nicest people. Ryan is one of the nicest people you'll ever come across in your oh, life. I- Appreciate that, Jamie. Yeah, you know and what? Ryan, I tell Ryan, Ryan spent a week of me making fun of everybody else, so oh, he should uh, he should it. take this genuinely that I, I enjoy your time with you. <laughs> I, I had so much fun watching Jamie terrorize Jamie and Pete, and you guys know this. When those two get together, there's nothing good that's going to come of it. But I appreciated them. Not first of all, they targeted Will Brinson mainly, and I stayed out of it. So I, I appreciated the fact that I could enjoy that close up. Ryan Wilson, he's at Ryan Wilson CBS on Twitter. He will be on CBS Sports HQ. You can watch him there, get all of his draft analysis. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Thank you, guys. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. I have to take a bathroom break because we said Pete Prisco's name like six times. And when we come back, we'll talk about more bounce back candidates and some news from around the NFL. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, 
Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Good NFL draft talk there from Ryan Wilson. We'll thank him again for coming on. There are some things I need to tell you about, other podcasts that you might want to listen to, cbssports.com slash podcast. The Pick 6 podcast is a daily NFL show, even during the offseason. Every day if you want to hear about football, the Pick 6 podcast is great. Sportsline.com is also great. Go to Sportsline.com, and you can check out brackets there. Uh, you might hear this a little bit too late, but it's a gambling site. It's got some fantasy analysis, picks, all everything you need for the tournament and beyond. If you want your first month for only $1, go to Sportsline.com and use the code HUDDLE when you sign up. HUDDLE is the code for $1 for your first month. Then it's only $9.99 after that. Make sure you're watching all of our NCAA tournament coverage on CBS Sports HQ. It's free. It's always on. It's always streaming on the CBS Sports app. And March Madness Live, NCAA March Madness Live, you can get direct streaming access access to live coverage of every tournament game. NCAA March Madness Live is available across 17 streaming platforms And we have a a great feature called Fast Break, which now covers the entire first weekend. When multiple games are being played, Fast Break provides live whip-around coverage, the option to switch from game to game for live look-ins, quick turnaround highlights, real-time analysis, social reaction, and commentary from all games. It's all in one place. We've been getting you ready for this stretch all year long, so you really don't want to miss a second of the action. Download NCAA March Madness live now on your streaming device. Email of the day from Gil in a suburb of Dallas. Gill in a suburb of Dallas. He's going to the Hall of Fame this year, I believe. It, who who is he? Gil Brandt. Brandt. Yeah, no. Uh, he's I'm from, referring to Gil Brandt. Where's he from? Not, uh, uh, the Dow- I don't know. Arlington. So it's Plano. He thought you might be able to guess Plano. No. Uh, then it's not Gil Brandt if it's in Plano. Quick story before my keeper question. This weekend, the family and I were eating at Chili's. Quick side note: I love Chili's. Love Chili's. Uh, They're playing an episode of Top 10 Crushing Losses on the NFL Network on one of the TVs that was in front of me. Pete Prisco pops up on the screen commenting on something, and of course I say, Pete Prisco, (laughs) Pete Prisco drink. My wife looked up at me with a puzzled look and asked me what the hell I was talking about. I told her she wouldn't get it, and I proceeded to take my drink. Oh, I love it. Anyway, keep her question at PPR. Keep one of these two as a first rounder, or I can keep neither one. Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson? Do you know where you pick in round one? I don't have that. <laughs> I will ask Gil Brandt. Uh, for now, Bell. Okay, great. Yeah, if you have to pick one, it's Bell. And it's totally contingent on where you think you'll be picking in round one and who else is being kept. There are a lot of factors. Basically, it's like this. If you're picking early in round one, don't keep Bell. If you're picking late in round one and there's going to be a bunch of other running backs who weren't kept that are going to be taken in front of you, then keep Bell. Okay. Good stuff. Thank you for that awesome story, Gil from Plano. Uh, One other thing I wanted to promote, and I have forgotten what it is. Oh, our emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We have so many dynasty emails and I haven't read them because at some point, perhaps next week, I will, we will just do a Dynasty episode. We'll get a Dynasty guest on. We'll read your questions. So send them in, uh, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Please put something in the subject line, Dynasty or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's, we'll have a Dynasty episode. It'll be great. 
And if you want to join our bracket challenge, today's the last day. Get in the bracket challenge. You can follow us on Twitter or email me. Why can't they do it Thursday morning? I just, yes, they can Thursday morning. These next 24 hours are the, are the last 24 hours. Injuries, news, and notes. Buffalo and San Francisco are both interested in Odell Beckham. Would you have preferred he go to San Francisco or Cleveland? Cleveland. Cleveland. Dallas signed Randall Cobb. Oh, no, it's, it's basically the same. How about, how about uh, Randall Cobb to the Cowboys? It's a, it's a good landing spot. You know, they have a need. And, um, you know, I, I think you just look at it. I don't think he's ever going to get back to the level that he was. You just have to be realistic. But in terms of it's a good thing for Dak. You know, you, you gave Dak two reliable weapons this offseason with Cobb and with Jason Witten. So it helps him. And that's on top of Cooper, Gallup, Zeke catches a ton of passes. This offense is going to be good next year. They were they were going in prior to signing Cobb with Tavon Austin after re-signing him as the projected slot receiver. So this is an upgrade. Uh, Le'Veon Bell said Ben Roethlisberger's presence was a factor in his desire to leave Pittsburgh. It's a great story if you want to read it on Sports Illustrated, um, uh, profiling Bell and this whole process that he went through. Um, look, Ben's getting a lot of a lot of uh, flack this offseason for how he's handled things. Uh, Josh Harris, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, said that he fumbled the ball on purpose to uh, to to show his frustrations with a with a play call. Um, obviously, Antonio Brown took shots. Now Le'Veon Bell's taking shots, but you know, anytime players leave and they leave for, um, you know, unfortunate situations on their end. They're gonna, you know, probably look at some things that they weren't happy with. I'm enjoying the drama. I really am. <laughs> that was one of the best things at the combine was Kevin Colbert, the GM, saying, oh. "I don't know what everybody's talking about the drama in our locker room." Um, yeah. Well. <laughs> well, he was the one who said Roethlisberger and 52 kids, right? Yes, and then he tried to walk it back and uh, stepped in a pothole, tripped and fell, and <laughs> nobody caught him. Tom Coughlin says he has full confidence in Leonard Fournette. We already talked about that. Philadelphia defensive tackle Haloti Nada retired. Cincinnati released Vontez Perfect, who then signed I, with Oakland. I would like to retire the way he retired, by the way. On top of Matt, where was it? Mount Kilimanjaro? Yes. Mount Everest? Kilimanjaro. Do you, know, do you I'd, know? I'd like to retire on top of Old Smoky, <laughs> all covered with cheese. I would actually like to retire. But I don't want to lose my meatball. I would like to retire on top of Mike Trout's uh, um, bank account. Uh, that'd be pretty nice too. Do you guys know anyone who has climbed a major mountain? Well, I've met Haloti Nada before, so yes. Okay, well, I know someone personally. Do you? Yeah, this girl, my my friend's wife, who's now also my friend, Dana. She climbed Mount Kilimanjaro like two years ago. That's awesome. Unbelievable. Uh, Washington signed Eric Flowers. DS stream DSTs. <laughs> Philadelphia signed safety Andrew Sandejo. Kansas City signed cornerback Bashad Breland, and the Rams made two kind of high-profile signings, Clay Matthews on defense, Blake Bortles on offense. Cool. We'll see if Sean McVay can flip Blake Bortles for a draft pick in a year. Maybe. He'll, he'll be, get a starting job because he was coached for a year by Sean McVay. <laughs> That's right. He went through the McVay car wash. So I wanted to get Jamie's free agency, agency thoughts. I also wanted to talk more about bounce backs. I also need your help with my best man speech for my brother's wedding this upcoming weekend. What should we do first? Best man speech. Of course. Okay, so this is how I was thinking of starting it. So I will get up there, and I will take my cell phone out. Look at uh, your brother's was very good, by the way. Yeah, it was so you have, you have uh, high, high standards to fill. Well, here's the other problem. I'm being honest here. 
I'm, I can be very self-critical and, and whatnot. I gave a best man speech for my best friend a year ago, and my brother was there, my whole family was there, and a lot of the people that are going to be at this wedding were there, and it was so good. It was the best thing I've ever done. And I said to my best friend earlier this week, you know, because I'm nervous about the speech for my brother's wedding, I said, I wish I didn't make your speech so good because now everybody expects me to be great. And I don't think I can do that again. So I just wanted to humble brag. <laughs> Is that a humble brag? Really? It was great. It was a great speech. I was very proud You can of it. do it again, Adam. I hope so. Uh, so I'm going to get up there and I'm going to take my phone out like I'm reading my notes and I'm going to start like kind of crying like wow i did not think this was going to be so emotional sorry my bracket is completely busted and it's only day three <laughs> that I good bet. i laugh all right all right cool then we're gonna start with that then are I'm gonna... you are you going to get a bucket of slime <laughs> as yeah. part of your speech yeah my brother used you to have slime to time you, sl- you got a slime david i uh yeah well we'll see i'll see if i can pull that off um okay so Thank you for your help. I'm glad that I workshopped that, and uh, we will start with that. So let's get Jamie's free agency thoughts. Uh, we had about 50-minute to an hour-long show about it on Monday. I'd love to hear uh, your quick thoughts. Who is the biggest, since we talked about Beckham with you on Wednesday or whatever last week, who's the biggest mover? The biggest mover? Yeah, we got Col- Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram. So who benefited the most of the players who actually moved? Or, well... Up or down, benefited or lost, and it doesn't have to necessarily be someone who was moved. It could be someone who... I mean, my, my two favorite players as a result of the trades and free agency are players that are on their current teams or stayed on their current teams. One is Chris Godwin. I, I've kind of maintained that since the uh, Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is Evan Ingram. You know, I think you just look at what those guys gain as a result of players leaving I think is a huge benefit uh, obviously Baker Mayfield as well you know getting Odell Beckham um, the losers I, I think also you know you look at the guys who are kind of in their same spots one is Ben Roethlisberger uh, you don't lose Antonio Brown and get better and the other is Jack McKinnon you know I mean it just thinks that uh, they added to that backfield I would like to see them have stayed the same now where McKinnon I think ends up is going to be relevant because I do not believe he's going to stay with the 49ers I think they'll make him a post June 1st cut uh, they'll end up saving some money, and hopefully he lands in a spot that can still help him be fantasy relevant. I don't think he's ever going to get to the place where I was hoping he would get to uh, because now that opportunity because of the ACL last year has been taken away from him. Okay, very interesting. So basically we had a nice Evan Ingram debate because uh, after the Beckham trade, it was like, oh, yeah, he's number four, maybe five. And then after the Tate signing, Heath kind of pulled back. Dave, not as much. Where are you on Ingram with Tate? I, I think he's going to be the best receiving option for the Giants. You know, Tate, I think, is going to um, be in a similar situation to what happened with the Eagles because they don't have a dominant outside receiver. They have a bunch of inside players. Uh, Shepard's a better slot, play, slot receiver than he is an outside receiver. Tate's a better slot receiver than he is an outside receiver. And so uh, those guys are going to be forced to play a little bit more on the outside probably than they need to be, um, depending, on, again, what they do in the draft. But as it stands right now, I, I, don't not, I don't like this receiving core the way it's constructed. All right, let's duke it out now, Fournette versus Ingram. I feel like right now, here's what I'm going to say. 
it's just going to take. It's funny though. Before you start though, that you're using Mark Ingram, given what your concerns were about the Jaguars and their offense. I was, I was going to say that they're actually they seem very similar to me. Like they both can catch the ball. I don't expect them to be standouts as pass catchers, but they can do it. They both should get a big workload on run-heavy teams. I just, I guess, I like the Ravens' offense better than the Jaguars. Uh, but my opinion is. I would love to do a draft right now and play it out because I'm going to take Mark Ingram as like a top 30 pick. And you guys are going to be like, you're an idiot. And then there's going to be some quote in training camp from Harbaugh or some story in training camp from the beat writers, and it's going to be, oh, they love Mark Ingram. He's going to be featured. He's going to be a workhorse. And then everybody's going to be taking Mark Ingram with a top 30 pick, and I won't be able to get him anymore. So I feel like he's my guy right now. If you would have said top 40, I, I, I could see that happening. Top 30 is a little bit too rich given what – I think the other players around him will be. Yeah, I, well, who's in that range? Because 30th overall is always like the running backs that we think are going to be very good, but we're not sure. Like Alex Collins and Kenyon Drake, you know. So. Well, I, I mean, I, I would put Fournette closer to the top 30 as somebody that you'll, you, like, I, I think I have Fournette right now. I haven't done my top 200 for PPR, but in non-PPR, I think I have him like 25 or 26. So, and that's my 13th running back. So, Ingram is closer to much closer to twenty. He's after twenty. He's like twenty one, twenty two. So at running back, I, at running back, right? So like I, I would say you you can get Mark Ingram as a top fifty pick is probably going to be where his ADP like like you're really taking a huge leap to get him. And again, if that's the guy that you like, then go get him. But that's a big big jump to try and get you know a guy that's going to be thirty on a new offense that we don't know if he's going to be totally featured. I would expect him to, but not necessarily would sign off on that right now. Yeah, I don't know. So, Dave, jump in there. What does Leonard Fournette have that that Mark Ingram doesn't? He Youth. is younger. I think he's probably yet, a little bit more more explosive. injury prone. He, he is, but Ingram certainly has more work on him than Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Fournette is just as good, if not maybe a tad better in the passing game. We don't really talk about it much because Fournette doesn't. Oh, Ingram's, catch a, Ingram's a fifty catch guy, though. I mean, well, think about the offense that he's going to, and how many catches running backs got with Lamar Jackson last year. There were a couple games where they got maybe three or four. But you're also talking but, about Gus Edwards, who does not have the at least the pedigree. And Dixon a played a lot, and he didn't get a ton of catches. Yeah, with I'd still Lamar say Mark Ingram's a better pass catcher than Kenneth Dixon. Well, so, I, I agree so, with that, but I think Fournette is has a little bit more on Ingram in that regard. It's just a matter might, of whether or not we see it. Both yeah. offenses, I don't think, are going to be tailored to throwing to their running backs out of the backfield. They're not the Saints. They're not the Panthers. Right. But I think that just as far as talent goes and the difference between the two, I, I think Fournette's got an edge there. Okay. Uh, so I think if both were in the same offense, you know, well, not on the same team, but if it were offense neutral – I would expect Ingram to be a better pass catcher than Fournette, maybe not by much, but I do think that Dave, I agree that Fournette probably will catch more passes than Ingram just be, because of the offense. But Fournette actually was was, you know, pretty good in that area. What do you have? Twenty two catches sure. in eight games. A forty four catch pace is really not that bad. Right. And he got hurt in a few of the games too, and he got kicked out of one. So uh, he he can he can catch fifty passes. I don't know that any Ravens running back is doing that. I get what you're saying there. I've got another aspect where Fournette is better than Ingram. Nick Foles isn't going to run for seven touchdowns this year. No. Nick, Nick Foles is not going to vulture scores away from Leonard Fournette. But Lamar Jackson will. 
Mm. From Fournette? <laughs> Not from Ingram. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's fair. Uh, I, I maybe I just don't think there should be that big of a difference, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna be the Ingram guy right now, and we'll see where it goes. It's it's March twenty. But you're you're taking him early round three. Well, okay, no, because I can get him, him ahead of Fournette. Because I can Clearly. get him in round four. But where do I actually think that this is trending? I actually think he'll be a third round pick in August. Uh, I think he'll be trending up. Maybe, maybe. And where I think this is trending is. We, we've just talked about two running backs that people will for sure target if they go with two non-running backs in the first two rounds of their draft. So if you start with um, stud receiver, stud tight end, or two receivers, or you splurge on Mahomes, these are the types of running backs that you're going to find in round three and maybe even into round four. And that ain't bad. And I'm pretty sure I'd take Tevin Coleman over both of them if Jerry McKinnon gets cut. If McKinnon gets cut... Uh, I'll definitely take Coleman ahead of Ingram. Not sure if I'd take him ahead of Fournette. Jaime? Uh, I would take Coleman over Ingram, not Fournette. Just to let you know right now, I in non-PPR, I have Ingram at 49. Dave has him at 44. Heath has him at 69. But I don't think Heath updated it since he signed with Baltimore. So I think that's where he was with New Orleans. So okay. uh, you're talking... Early round five for me, mid round four for Dave. So I, I I would imagine round four is where he'll settle, ADP wise. All right, all right. Let's get into. Uh, don't more... take him in the first thirty picks. Yeah, okay. I no. Certainly, if you're drafting right now, do not do that. Let's get into more bounce backs. So Jamie gave us Leonard Fournette. Now he's got two quarterbacks he wants to talk about. Who's bouncing back in 2019? Well, I think Aaron Rodgers is uh, certainly will play better than what he was, but I would not be surprised if he's the number one quarterback again. Uh, that's Tyreek Hill dependent. If Tyreek Hill does not, if Tyreek Hill misses some time, then I think Rodgers can pass Mahomes. home. But uh, I like him as the second best quarterback this season. I think he's going to have a uh, uh, one of his better campaigns. Um, I think the coaching change will help with Matt LaFleur taking over for Mike McCarthy. I think a healthy Geronimo Allison. You look at the pace that Rodgers was on before Allison got hurt. Uh, he was playing much better. Uh, Devonte Adams, when I spoke to him at the Pro Bowl, uh, he basically said that Rodgers is going to come out with an FU season to the league. Um, you know, I, I think that's encouraging, and I just like the outlook for him because he's going to be a little bit of a depressed value, and so you're going to get a guy that was pretty much the consensus number one quarterback for the last five years. Um, uh, you know, give or take a guy here, a guy there, but Rodgers' upside is uh, is, is easily still number one. Um, I, I think, you know, you look at him as, uh, for me, the number two guy uh, behind Mahomes. And again, if Mahomes loses one of his key players in, in Tyreek Hill because of the circumstances surrounding him, uh, then that will certainly help maybe get Rodgers back to that top spot. Yeah, it's pretty clear what was standing out in terms of the stats. 4.2% touchdown rate. We've been talking about this stat a lot lately. You know, 5%, I guess, is kind of where you where you'd expect a normal quarterback to be is sort of how I interpreted from Heath. But Rhett Rogers is not normal. He 6.6%, 6.7% previous two seasons, 4.2% last year. He's usually about a 40-touchdown guy. He threw 25 touchdowns. His yards, very consistent. If you look at Aaron Rodgers' last five seasons, he had a straight-up bad year without, certainly by his standards, without Jordy Nelson in 2015. If you look at the other four seasons... He is right around 4,400 yards every single year. And the one year he wasn't is because he played seven games, and he really only played six games because he got hurt after four pass attempts in, in, the, in one game. And in those six games, he was on pace for 
right around 4,400 yards. But 25 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Uh, it's just like there's no way he's throwing 25 touchdowns again. So well, there, respect, two other things. Bad. One, uh, I, I talked to Adams about this. The young receiver is getting better, you know, whether it's uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Equanimous St. Brown. Uh, but the oh, other thing that is, is, is they're, not, they're, that is a butchering of his name. <laughs> ESB. M- MSV. I said this to Devonte. I go, I don't even know how to say their names. He's like, yeah, we just go MSV and ESB. Um, uh, but those two guys getting better to help Allison and and uh, and himself. Uh, we'll see what they do it, it, as you know Jimmy Graham being what he is at this point. But I think the defense being better. You know, we talk a lot about is a bad defense good for a passing game. I think in the case for the Packers. A better defense means the ball in their hands a little bit more. And so a few more possessions per game will certainly help because getting the two pass rushers and the safety, I think, will make that defense a hell of a lot better than what it was a year ago. And so more possessions, more opportunities for Rodgers, that will help those touchdown numbers for sure. Dave, I know you do not have Rodgers second. You have Andrew Luck second. Where do you have Rodgers? Third. Okay. Cool. Right behind Andrew Luck. Let's get a Dave Richard bounce back. I gave you David Johnson, but I don't know if like bounce back is the right word to use for Johnson. I just think he'll be a little bit stronger. Uh, I think it is. And it su- was. I support. But it. he was he was kind of. Do you have him ranked higher than where he finished last no, year? No, he was tenth last barely. year. Right, right. So now I have him like eleventh. So I can't quite <laughs> yeah, call lower. him a bounce back. <laughs> right. So I can't do it. So I'm not going to call him a bounce back. But you think his stats will be better? I think I think a lot of running game stats will go up. So yes, uh, and his included. So what about Hunter Henry? With the Chargers bouncing Wait, back from no, I'm not ready to move on. From, ACL. I'm not ready to move on from David Johnson. I was really looking forward to talking about him. Well, we can talk about him, but can we just talk about him? Not necessarily as a bounce back candidate, but somebody who you should feel okay about drafting. Maybe bounce back in terms of perception. Well, I, look, he was the number ten running back in fantasy, but he certainly did not feel like a top ten running back. Cause like it was J- the it James, was the ten touchdowns that helped him. Yeah, I mean James White was like number twelve even in non PPR. You know, I mean Kenyon Drake was fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. So he played sixteen games, David Johnson. The question I think is can he be a top five running back again? He was number can he be a top five overall pick again? I know he won't go there, but can he perform like that? No. Not with who's in the NFL now at uh at running back. Not with Saquon, Zeke, Kamara, McCaffrey, uh, even Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. Like those guys are going to put up better numbers than David Johnson. But I do think that he'll benefit from what the offense is going to be in Arizona. And if Kyler Murray is the quarterback, that will help him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, he will absolutely get more opportunities to catch the ball, which I think everybody will be excited about. He'll have just as many opportunities, if not more, to score. And he had 10 touchdowns last year, totaled over 1,300 yards. That should go up a little bit. Oh, I, I would expect it to go up at least by three to 400 yards. It, it, the offensive line. Where do you better. have? Is he in your top 10? He's uh, right around 10 in both formats. Um, but I, I think you look at it twofold. One, the offensive line is already better. You know, getting the the uh, the lineman from Pittsburgh, whoever I forget his name, Gilbert. Foster, uh, Gilbert. Gilbert. Um, right. Tackle. Right. Uh, that's that's better. Defense will be better again. More opportunities, I think. You know, defense was so bad last year. Uh, and and coach, you know, they're not going to run him into the middle of the line every play. Yeah, I, look, I I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about David Johnson. And that that goes back to the question you asked year. earlier. It, it it really I had to think about it. You know, who will actually be better by the end of the season? Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson? Johnson getting a coaching upgrade. Maybe a quarterback upgrade, certainly an offensive line upgrade, 
or Bell after sitting out a season and going to an entirely new system? I think his ceiling could be RB6. Both are going to a new system, though. Yeah, Johnson's going to a very new system. But he's not learning new personnel for the most part. You know, quarterback, again, may be different, but, you know. Well, they're trying to change up that offensive line. I think he's going to have to get in rhythm with that group. And this is a play caller who definitely has a tendency for throwing the ball. All right, so that's David Johnson. And let's go to Hunter Henry then, Dave, your other bounce back that you wanted to talk about. I just think that those short area targets will be there for him. Red zone targets will be there for him. He'll lose some to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but the Chargers offense is so efficient. Melvin Gordon, obviously you got to mention him when you're in the red zone for the Chargers. But just by the nature of the tight end position, how few quality fantasy tight ends there are out there, Hunter Henry should be able to come back this year, and I think he's in line for as many as eight touchdowns over the course of the season. I think he can have a handful of games with over 70 yards. I think volume will be there more than it was two years ago when it was just so up and down for him that he will be he will be a, a an acceptable fantasy tight end, top 10 for sure. It's interesting because you have the loss of Tyrell Williams, the potential loss of Antonio Gates, but you also have a huge red zone threat that he didn't have to contend with really during – Mike Williams' rookie season, but Williams last year and certainly this year is going to take away some of those red zone mm. opportunities. Phillip Rivers is going to deal in the red zone. That's another quarterback that you can just wait on until on draft day, like maybe even like the last round, and he's got a chance to be a real good fantasy starter. Phillip Rivers finished as the number 10 quarterback in fantasy, which is his lowest finish in, I believe he's had four seasons with Ken Wisenhunt as his offensive coordinator. And 10th was his lowest. I'm surprised. I thought he had a better year than that. He yeah. had an MVP-type season. I mean, he was yes, fantastic he was. for the first, you know, uh, 12 weeks of the season. He didn't have his first sub-20-point fantasy game till week 10. Hmm, so what happened? The last he didn't have a lot of the last games, four so. games were terrible. 14 points, then a good 22 points at Kansas City, that amazing Thursday night game, and then three points against Baltimore, and nine points at Denver. And Baltimore, obviously, really tough. Um, did he play in week seven? Yeah, he did. They had to play that game counted. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty typical of Philip Rivers. He he finishes slow uh just about every year, I feel. Okay, any uh any other thoughts on Hunter Henry or should we move to Jamie's final bounce back? Let's move on. All right, hit it. Who's the other quarterback? Jameis. You know, I, I think you look at uh the addition of Bruce Arians was already something that you had to point to and say, Okay, this has a, a chance to be really good. Um uh, but e- even with the loss of Jackson and Humphreys, I think you look at what, what he has around him still. Um, Mike Evans is clearly one of the best receivers in the league. Chris Godwin, I think, has a chance to be very good. O.J. Howard proved last year to be a uh, you know, breakout type of tight end. I hope Bruce Arians uses him the right way. I think he will. Um, right now they have no run game to speak of. That's, I think, uh, a huge threat. But um, what... Bruce Arians' motto is, and the way Jameis Winston plays, I think, align very well. No risk it, no biscuit. And so he's not going to be afraid of Jameis taking some chances with the upside of the big play. And clearly we know Jameis isn't exactly the most conservative of quarterbacks. So I hope what we saw last year from the Dirk Cutter, Todd Monken offense still exists of a lot of big plays down the field. Uh, and Arians, I think, will certainly enhance that. So... Um, 
I, I think Winston, um, Winston and Wentz are two quarterbacks I have back to back. I think both have top ten upside. Both you can certainly wait on, and really benefit uh, if these things for both those guys take hold. For Winston, uh, I'll go back to what I said about Baker Mayfield when we had Nathan on. The ceiling for him could be top three. Did you talk about who's backing up Jameis? Um, no, I didn't realize who's backing him up. As of now, it's Ryan Griffin. Oh, so no threat. I see what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, another thing, uh, got a chance to speak with him at the Super Bowl. And very, very, I think we talked about this, just a very uh, good understanding of kind of where he is in his career right now. He, he, he sort of takes ownership of the mistakes that he's made, um, takes ownership of the fact that he hasn't lived up to the potential of being a number one overall pick. And I think we'll do the right things to put himself in position to have a good, if not great year. So I would just say Jameis actually was pretty solid last year. He averaged, I'm seeing 21.4 fantasy points per game in his 10 starts. So that is not counting week four at Chicago. Um, and that is basically what Phil Rivers averaged. And actually, it's higher than that because I did, I did, did I should not have counted week 11 at the Giants because he didn't start that game either. So he made nine starts, and he probably averaged over 22 fantasy points. That That's good enough for, like, eighth best. Um, I just wonder about his ceiling because he turns the ball over so much. It's not just interceptions, but it's fumbles too. And that's Yeah, but I, I think, you know, you look at, like, Carson Palmer and how he played for Arians. You know, it wasn't like he's the same type of turnover-prone quarterback. But you're, you're, you got to understand there's going to be probably 15 to 18 interceptions with James. Yeah, I'm actually curious to see, not to, like, try to prove you wrong or anything, but I'm curious to see how many interceptions Carson Palmer was throwing. Uh, Pulling it up now. Carson Palmer with Arizona. He threw 22, then 3, then 11, then 14, then 7. I think he was kind of bad. He only threw three in six games in 2014. Kind of bad is not bad. Took him a little while to get used to Bruce Arians' offense, if I recall. Keep in mind, though, there's there's a significant age difference, too. Palmer was at the end of his career. Yeah. Jameis is still relatively at the beginning. All right, cool. Uh, so Fournette, Aaron Rodgers, Jameis Winston for Jamie, Carson Wentz, Hunter Henry, David Johnson for Dave, and now your emails at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. This is from Roberto in the City of Champions Past. I mean, that could be a, a number of cities. Could be Detroit, could be Chicago, could be New York. Let's go with New York. New York. Okay. I'm also going to say that uh, my brother's wife is the Le'Veon Bell to his Sam Darnold. He's a Jets fan. I think mm. That might go over your mom's head. Uh, the, the Most of the room will get it. Uh, dear Dam, Ave, Amy, and Eth. That's our names. Without, oh, without the first letter. Dam at, like, Avenue, Amy. And Good job, Avenue. Dam. <laughs> We get two keepers at the round they're drafted. I have Saquon in the first, but then uh, who else should I take? Carryon Johnson in the – this is so easy. Carryon Johnson in the seventh, Aaron Jones in the eleventh, John Brown in the fourteenth. Everybody Aaron say Jones. it at the same time. One, two, three, John Brown. No. <laughs> Aaron Jones, yeah. Aaron Jones, and and you can take off the first letter of his name, and it's still Aaron. <laughs> That's true. Uh, no name on this one, Dave. Who's it from? Uh, Ryan, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, okay. As a Mixon owner and Cincinnati native in a half PPR league, how concerned should I be about the Bengals' current offensive line 
and Mixon being able to get blocking and openings for a decent YPC. Should I try to trade Joe Mixon? I don't think he'll be any worse than he was last year, and I would almost be optimistic and say that the change in offensive scheme will be better for him. I think he'll get more opportunities to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think the Bengals will do everything they can to try and improve their offensive line. Uh, It might still be one of the worst offensive lines in football. I still think and believe that Joe Mixon can overcome it to a degree. Okay. He was the number nine running back in fantasy in both non-PPR and PPR last year. I mean, look, if if you could trade him for an elite receiver, it's not a bad thing to explore. But I don't think most people will give up running backs. Obviously, there's a collective group, but the, the collective group of guys that are probably going to be ranked ahead of Mixon. Like, you may be able to get Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, which is worth exploring if you want to, but, you know, Mixon's younger than those guys. Might be. You can argue better situation than those guys with Zach Taylor now. So if if you're trying to get, you know, something... Like, I'm not trading him for... If it's a... Is it DC Dynasty? Keeper. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trading him for any of the rookie running backs. I'm not trading him for probably any of the second-year running backs outside of Barkley. You know, so I, I don't think you're going to get a significant upgrade over Mixon at that spot unless somebody's just enamored with Mixon. Do you think Mixon could become part of the Barkley, Kamara, Zeke, McCaffrey, Gurley group? No, not not in this not with this current line. iteration of what the Bengals are. Right. You know, I, I think it's going to take potentially moving on from Dalton. Certainly some some upgrades on the offensive line. I mean, you know how I felt about Mixon last year. I thought he was going to have a breakout season. I think he did. Uh, but I kind of think like where he is now, right now, could be his ceiling, which isn't bad. But I don't know if he can get to that level. Okay. He's really good. I, he Mixon was hurt by game script a lot. When they were losing, he was not getting enough carries. It was kind of a very simple way to analyze it. I'm not sure, by the way, if it's Keeper or Dynasty. I just made it up and said it was Keeper. Yeah, I, I, I would not trade him for, like, if you're trying to get, you know, 1.01, don't yeah. do that. Okay. And last one, guys. This is Bobby from the Minnesota Key. Dear Miles, Larry, Sheldon, and Olivier. Those are Browns defensive linemen. How about that? I have the ninth pick in a 12-team PPR redraft league. I keep finding myself in the same dilemma come round two of early mock drafts. Ninth pick of a 12-team PPR league. Do I take David Johnson, Joe Mixon, or Damian Williams? How do you rank them? What's the format? PPR. Um, Mixon, Johnson would be the choices for me. How, how close is that? Very close. I think that I think you can make the case for David Johnson over Joe Mixon. You can. I think it might come down to whose offensive line do you like better and whose quarterback do you like better. We know who Mixon's quarterback is going to be. But that Billy, question might be... They, they still may make a move. <laughs> they could. I don't think they will, but they could. Let's. Uh, that's one worth revisiting in May. May 1st. We'll know a lot more about both of those offenses by then. Cool. Guys, thank you very much. Great show. Hey, have a good speech, Adam. <laughs> thank you. I have my opener. Have a good speech, Adam Hazer. Don't bump what do you, what do you, do you have, Do you have like a nickname for your brother? Is there something you call him? I'm gonna call. Well, I don't want to give the whole speech away. No, no, no. But is there something you call him like as a kid? Do you call him? Do you call him Dave? David? Well, that was kind D-A. of. 
one of the huh? things I was going to say is that I actually don't know how to give a speech for him because I don't know what to call him because I, I, I don't know if I call him Dave or David. I probably switch it up every time I speak to him. Um, Do you idolize your brother? I, I mean, I'm 35, so 34, so no, not anymore. But I did when I was a kid, yes. What's the age difference? Nine and a half years. Older. He's older. Wow. Did yep. he take you places when you were a kid? Yep. I'm going to mention that he taught me how to properly curse at Seminoles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was a hurricane also, correct? He's Dave's Yes. He's, he's, he he's snuck fraternity. me into the uh, student section at a Miami-Florida State game, and that was I was like 10. That was awesome. I'll never forget that. I was probably there. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably a freshman or something. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you all for letting me workshop here on the show. And um, I'll let you all know how it goes next week. Talk to you on Monday or Tuesday. For Dave and Jamie, I'm Adam. And... na 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 na